This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Keenan Davis has stolen away from him. Watkins is in the middle. So to Trezeguet! Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Thank you for joining us for uh, what is uh, the return of Aston Villa and maybe the return of The Villa of the uh, late 2020s, well, uh, for 10 minutes anyway. Joining me to discuss uh, a bizarre game, I think you have to say, where it was uh, literally an Easter Sunday resurrection within 90 minutes. Mr. Chris Bud, welcome. Hello. Or Mr. Budman. Mr. Budman, indeed. Hello. Happy Easter. Thank you very much. And same to you. And also Mr. Phil Shawman, welcome back. Hello. Happy Easter to everybody as well. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, I'm still in shock. (laughs) Thanks, Phil, man. No, yeah, no. I just love that, the Fulham player, Luckman's name. I just think it's, it's great at half-time when like, Scott Parker's there going, Luckman. <laughs> I find it funny anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, somehow, somehow, after 70 minutes of uh, the most dire football we've seen at Villa Park since Paul Lambert, Black Sabbath's paranoid rang out three times within the space of 10 minutes as we uh, flipped the game on the head and Villa somehow managed to for the second time this season win without uh, Mr Grealish uh, who we will talk about later on uh, how, how's your Easter been and your uh, international break it's been alright productive week of work nice to get a break from the Villa and the sun came out hurrah feel sure anything more exciting than Bud no it's been a depressing week for sport over here ah <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> we'll just, we didn't we'll want to mention le- no we'll, we'll just leave it there I mean football boxing What's the nationality of the boxer that beat Frampton? Ah, uh, yeah, American. <laughs> he, he was a marine. He was a marine. He shouldn't be allowed to box. What's the nationality of that football team that beat Northern Ireland? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough. I actually had a uh, my vaccine or the first jab a few days ago. No side effects, although you do feel it flowing through your uh, veins uh, for the first couple of days. So uh, if you are having it, it's good to. Uh, 
drop paracetamol every so often just to uh, keep it in check. And that is a public health statement. So now let's uh, continue with the show. Coming up uh, in the Villa News, where we add on to what we uh, did in the Something for the Weekend, which is the new show we're putting out on Fridays, which comes in around about a quarter of an hour just to catch up uh, and add on to this show, whatever has happened uh, throughout the week before uh, Villa's next game. After the Villa News, we go into the three points. We talk about uh, the reintroduction of fans in a scientific experiment. Ooh. The ca- recent Qatar World Cup human rights protests. And then uh, Marco Van Basten's uh, madman a genius idea to change football. I like before it. Get- yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, before it. going before going into uh, the Fulham game and then finishing on a underrated or overrated with Mr. Zat Knight. And uh, stick around, folks, because I think it's uh, one of the more funnier ones uh, in terms of what he's been up to uh, in recent times. So, right, where we're starting? Villa News? Go for it. First of all, uh, Esri Konza signs a new deal, keeping him hopefully, to uh, Aston Villa until 2026. I think his upturn in form, which started in uh, Project Restart, really, I think uh, we've seen a different uh, player since then and has made a big uh, contribution to the 14 clean sheets uh, Villa have had so far this season. Uh, I don't know if there was real danger of losing him this summer, to be honest. You know, it's just there was no offers or no uh, real firm interest. I don't think. I mean, there's just, always going to be interest, but I think Villa wouldn't be wanting to sell it. Be they don't have to. So I think he's yeah. probably quite happy here. Oh, what a coincidence! Uh, one week there's uh, some just random newspaper talk like Liverpool and Spurs, and then the next week is a new contract. Sometimes uh, these stories are, let's say, come out from the agent of the players just to uh, force the issue when you're sitting around the table and negotiating. But anyway, surely they're not that cynical. Meanwhile, uh, Mr. Wesley has suffered a bit of a hiccup to his recuperation uh, after managing to play uh, a chunk of uh, time in the behind-closed-doors game. It was against the Baggies, wasn't it? Uh, Yes. During the international break, he uh, came off as, uh, well, you know, with injury news from Villa Park nowadays, who knows what's going on. He was either taken off... As a precaution, or he's out for another year. You you, uh, you decide on that one. But uh, we'll we'll soon know uh, in the next week or so if he shows up again for the under twenty threes. I don't think this one's. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I've written him off for this season. He certainly won't be starting games, will he? But no. Also uh, back, uh, Mister Miel Yedenak is at the club as a lone player development coach. He joins uh, head of emerging talents Adam Henschel, who came in from uh, Doncaster. That's a bit of a, a strange one, uh, Yedinak, because uh, I think he was a bit of a distant character from what I've been told uh, in terms of uh, mixing you know, with uh, the squad. But I think this is one where he's, he's, actually, he's got young kids, hasn't he, that uh, settled down in the area. So he's probably uh, keen to uh, stick around and uh, he's probably got a good setup here family-wise and house and everything. So uh, that might, and obviously in these COVID times, that might be a reason why uh, he decided to, uh, well, let's get into coaching and let's do it at the Villa. Thing, the thing about Yedinak, he, he, if he wasn't one of the boys, it, it probably suits him to be in a, in a like a figure of authority as a coach within a football club because he does have that demeanour, doesn't he? Well, he's, he's, he's been there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got the stare down anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah no, exactly, yeah. I think he's he's been in a position of you know leadership hasn't he for a long time. He's obviously very respected when he was at Palace and with the Australian national side. So 
Well, he was a captain, wasn't yeah. he, at uh, the Socceroos? Well, and with Palace, yeah. Yeah. Figures released uh, last week show that Villa paid out £8.9 on agent fees between February the 1st, 2020 and February the 1st, 2021. That's up £6.7 on previous seasons. Uh, surprisingly, because we were one of the biggest spenders, were we not, in the transfer windows? This is only the uh, yeah. 12th, 12th highest spend in the Premier League. Chelsea are the highest with 35 million in agent fees in a total of 272 million. That's, I mean, it's astounding, isn't it? That's Crazy. like, like the, the wealth of a small nation or something, isn't it? The likes of Newcastle, Fulham, Wolves all actually had higher agent outlays than Villa. So uh, I suppose in context, we've at least got some kind of value there. You'd need to pay over the odds to go to Newcastle, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. If you're Newcastle, you've got to bribe so many people to get a deal over the line. <laughs> Meanwhile, the youth side are drawn at Burton Albion in the FA Youth Cup. If they win that, they play the winners of Newcastle versus Leeds or Watford in the quarterfinals. And finally, it's red alert time, people, as the uh, Villa women's team slip in to that solitary relegation spot. In the Women's Super League, after their fifth defeat on the trot, going down 3-1 to uh, Everton. Now they're in the bottom uh, with uh, games running out. So I think they've got two games in hand on Bristol City and they have to play them uh, in the, the final week of April. They've also got to play the Birmingham uh, women's West Ham. These are the games probably got their best chance of points in. I think they've got to beat uh, Bristol City. That's the starting point. Right, three points. So as we're starting to uh, transition back to... Uh, Mixing again in society. We're now entering the rule of six. It's a sellout in St. Andrews, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> There's a... What What are they... Is it, it's been billed as like a uh, scientific... It's like research a research program. Yeah, a research program that they're running out there with the government. I like to call it... Uh, scientific experiment but the uh the fa cup semi-final final and league cup final will be part of this uh what's uh the semi-final looking at is is that the four thousand one? yes the semi-final is leicester southampton on 18th of april and this is going to be like locals uh you know nhs workers yeah, etc Four thousand local residents will be attend- uh, allowed to i wonder attend. if there'll be named tickets because football fans will be you know the black market yeah, would be, be insane, fine so and the NHS, after you know not being happy with their pay rise, would be on the black market like a shot trying yeah. to sell those tickets. And then it goes up to twenty one thousand, I believe, for the final. It's eight thousand for the League Cup final at the end of April. So they're kind between of Manchester City and Spurs. Yeah. Uh, there's been a bit of talk behind the scenes about trying to make it fair for Manchester City fans because they said they're going to try to get a uh, decent uh, proportion of tickets to actual uh, City or Spurs fans. I mean, that's going to be a shit show, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's bad enough when we get like 40,000 for a playoff final with people arguing over tickets. Imagine them trying to get like a couple of thousand. Just waiting for the meltdown whenever Liam Gallagher doesn't get a ticket. <laughs> and Noel does. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see where this kind of vaccination passport qualification comes in because that will suddenly uh, cut out the, a lot of younger people if, if that's the case in terms of uh, if you have to have had vaccination for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on this week, I will be attending a Villa fan consultation group meeting and we'll, we will be talking about uh, the possibility of the uh, Villa versus Chelsea game on the last day of the season. So uh, we, we will have more information on... Uh, what's likely to happen there right uh, qatar world cup human rights protests we've seen it from uh, the norwegian team i think norwegian fans are also trying to uh, push the norwegian fa into in terms of actually uh, boycotting it 
also the uh, German national team wore some uh, powerful uh, message t-shirt it just said human rights across the yeah. front and yeah 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 each player had a different uh, letter and i believe the dutch did as well didn't they the dutch lads did a protest as well yep uh, england would never do that but essentially protesting against the uh, reported uh, 6500 migrant workers that died for me this is a bit shutting the stable door after the horses bolted because i mean the the qatari government are saying the, the mor- morality rate amongst the communities is within the expected range for the size and demographics of the population it's like what what, what do you mean it's like what building a uh, stadium there's inevitably going to be uh, fatalities I don't, I don't think so but you know people are forgetting about how qatar won this uh, bid and funny enough i found a i've got this uh, article that i remember buying the newspaper because it was like I think it was the Telegraph's expose of how they did it. And it's 11 years ago. I don't know how this has managed to stay with me all that time. But, you know, the bottom line is they had uh, a PR campaign marketing budget of 50 to 100 million pounds. Compare that to England's 15. Well, this is England's in uh, 2018, 15. Russia's was 19 million Holland, Belgium's six million, and then uh, the, for the Qatar one, I think Australia were the next biggest. Uh, they had a published budget of twenty-eight million. So this is you know going up to a hundred million, and they were they were paying people quarter of a million in gifts when they visited uh, Qatar, like journalists or dignitaries, and then the uh, Asian Football uh, Confederation head he had his rent paid for. The new the new headquarters had all their rent paid for uh, by the Qatar state and a grant to build a new building. There was a complex of thirty villas with swimming pools and all that kind of stuff, which were all uh, given to this uh, federation. The uh, AFC, this is again the Asian Football Con- uh, Confederation uh, president, was given a private jet and he made like twenty five trips a year in it. He got a large size BMW. And all you know, Lexus and another BMW for uh, the, for the vice president. So, it, I mean, the bribes, subtle bribes, presents have, have been mass. I mean, they're throwing so much money at this, and then not to have the money to provide uh, basic care for all these migrant workers. And you know, as as people you know mention, it's it's almost akin to how the Egyptians built the pyramids back in the day. Anyway, but I can't see anything happening from an England point of view. No chance. Point number three, Marco van Basten says, scrap the offside rule. Now, people are calling him a madman. I mean, they've, they've said he's ignorant. They said he's stupid and both. He reasons, I'm still very curious about the offside rule. Now, this has kind of been one of the roots of all evil on, in terms of the application of VAR. It's, you know, VAR is VAR. It's... it's uh, a device, but the offside rule, handball rule's been made so complicated that nobody knows what's going on, and this is what's really short-circuited VAR in terms of uh, how effective it can be. Van Basten says, I am still very curious about the offside rule because I'm convinced that it's not a good rule. At least I would like to trial it to show that football is also possible without the offside rule. I am convinced that football will be better without it. Football is a fantastic game. I think that we have to do much more to make it better, more spectacular, more interesting, more exciting. We have to work on that. 
he's also talking about effective playing time you know the, the clock being stopped like you know basketball when the ball goes out of play because that gets rid of time wasting and makes the game a bit more honest and like rugby where they stop the clock I think that's a really good idea so uh, I think <laughs> it'd be funny in pre-season if uh, the Premier League just yeah. says right next season no offside rule good luck <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's just it's back to being like in the playground, isn't it? Playing playing football, just goal hanging, and everything else. It's it's most enjoyable football I remember playing in the playground. Just standing there hoping it hit you and went in. But seriously, uh, I mean, well, philosophically speaking, what what would it do to the game? It'd be uh, it would completely change the dynamic, and it would be the first management team that would sit down in those weeks and just kind of played out every potentiality because you know Pep's systems may be defunct instantly. And his approach to the game, Allardyce may turn into the best manager in in football uh, because of this no offside rule. Well, the days of teams playing with like a high line, I mean, that'd be out the window straight away, wouldn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'm just waiting for the 35 assists Mings gets a season where he hits a long ball up front. Would have three or just by a couple more people like Ollie Hawkins. And and the the re-emergence of the old school English number nine, where everyone's got a six foot five centre forward <laughs> but it would be interesting because I mean what, what the good good news would be uh, you wouldn't see any of this nonsense that that's uh, I think when, when did it start was it Di Matteo when Villa would defend without anybody up front you know there would be nobody on the halfway line yeah. everybody would be in that 18 yard box we could just leave somebody up on the in their 6 yard box and someone on the halfway line and just give them a few things to think about yeah no exactly it'd be fun to watch just as a one off game I think it'd be brilliant yeah, no, as I said, I think the Premier League, just to make next season more interesting and throw everybody off the guard one week to go, by the way, announcement, new rules, no offside rule, good luck. No handball, no, yeah, no handball either. <laughs> We're going to sack off the lines as well. <laughs> good luck. Murder ball. Just, yeah, you can I'm play just, off the wall, you can play off the advertising boards like in five-a-side. <laughs> just see what happens. I think that, that, that's that's the kind of football we need. That's the kind of yeah, drastic. Man. Taking yeah. throw-ins from the upper tier, that'd be good from a bit of elevation on your throw-in. <laughs> put, it, put it in a cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Royal Rumble. <laughs> I mean, that game against Fulham, which we'll get on to, until we went goal crazy at the end, it was turgid stuff. And the only thing that was saving it was the fake crowd noise right anyway let's uh well let's talk about the game shall we i think we're uh, at that stage we went into this uh game we hadn't done a double over them for a long time haven't we oh nine ten wasn't it which was like the pretty much the last year of o'neill's reign yeah and to make up for the uh the playoff defeat we we really had to double them this season and and help them uh to go back to the championship was if you wanted to be mean about it was how i was looking at it Oh, 6-1 on aggregate's not bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably enough to double them every season for that. Yeah, and Fulham uh, were looking... I mean, the opportunity was knocking. Uh, eight games to go, that kind of focuses the mind when you're in the relegation spots. Newcastle did well to get a draw against Spurs, but ultimately, if Fulham had beaten Villa, they'd have got out the bottom three, which psychologically would have been uh, a real knee in the nuts for uh, Bruce and the Toon Army. Uh, the big thing go- going into the game was, uh, was Grealish uh, going to play or not? Uh, it quickly uh, became apparent on social media that uh, there had been some kind of setback and you kind of when news gets through now as I've mentioned about Villa injury news you just kind of roll your eyes now because I had a hunch that uh, 
Grealish might not be playing. Just because some of the things that Smith was saying uh, that he's back and uh, oh, you know, he's, he seems to be almost one hundred percent. He wasn't. He didn't seem very super bullish, was he? He was like, oh yeah, Jack wants to play, and uh, but it wasn't like oh yeah, he's you know he's back, back, back underlined. Yeah, he hasn't said that he's trained well and he'll, and he's looking forward to the game or anything. It was all a bit like. Mm. We'll wait and see how he is. And- so uh, it seems that he pulled up in the first 10 minutes of the last training session and they obviously kept that under wraps to keep uh, Scott Parker guessing. Although, you know, if certain Villa fans like myself were, weren't convinced he was playing, I don't think Scott Parker's 100% convinced and uh, I'm not a manager of the opposition, so I'm not actively trying to find out, which I'm sure Parker would have at least had a, an ear to the ground. So uh, I he's got to that line, isn't it, where... Uh, Yes, you understand if you know a player's almost there and he, he's either going to be back this week or next week that you keep the opposition guessing. But Villa, I mean, in the, the latest example was with Barkley. They, they try to stretch out literally over a month. And ultimately, I don't think it works as a, as a strategy because the opposition manager, they probably know when a player's not playing or not. And in this case, uh, if you think he's going to play and then suddenly he's not on the team sheet, you're thinking, happy days, he's not playing, and it gives the opposition a boost. And it does nothing more than deflate uh, the Villa first eleven. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, psychologically, as soon as you see the team sheet and you you know, you, you know that Newcastle are playing Spurs where you, you're going to fancy your rival in Newcastle to probably drop points, you're thinking, this is a big opportunity today. Yeah. I always remember Alan Hansen, uh, once upon a time, you know, in the 80s, Liverpool were this... Were this uh, great team as United became and then you know others have followed when Liverpool started to decline you know he said you'd look at the Liverpool team sheet once upon a time and the opposition would just you know shit their pants basically and be beaten before they got on the pitch but then you start to see I think he said this after Villa beat them 4-2 when Rosenthal made that miss you look at that Liverpool team the team sheet now and you don't fear it anymore and this is the thing Grealish isn't there you're like we're gonna we should win this these are there for the taking mid-table Villa no Grealish so and it and it frustrates fans anyway. So uh, in terms of uh, how do you compensate again for Grealish? I think the thinking was uh, it was El Ghazi was going to play potentially even if Grealish uh, was playing because he'd scored a couple of goals in the uh, in the behind closed door game against uh, West Brom and uh, Truri and Trezeguet obviously come off uh, trips back from Africa. So potentially you know you're looking at uh, El Ghazi to start anyway. But uh, in the end, it, I thought it was a bit of a surprise that uh, Sanson uh, started. Any qualms with the uh, starting eleven? No, I think if I was at the school, I thought that if Grealish played, Barkley might play with him. Um, yeah. I think obviously knowing that Jack probably wouldn't wasn't going to play the day before would have meant they probably had to switch their, well, clearly they had to switch their selection. But I mean, I think it would have maybe changed the, the overall landscape and then maybe slotted Sanson in accordingly. I think Smith had said that, you know, we, we're, tr- we're still trying to get Barkley up to full fitness, which is, seems to be taking a staggeringly long time. Well, that, that, he, he almost made a point of mentioning that when they weren't actually talking about Barkley. This is after the game. He slipped that one in as if he was making an yeah. excuse for Barkley. But in terms of, you know, I think the back four and keeper, if everyone's fit, pretty much picks itself. I, I thought Louise would play. I was glad to see McGinn play, you know, in a more advanced role. I, th- I think if Trey is fit, he probably plays on the right, as I think he's, you've, you know, as you've said numerous times, he's your kind of your wild card and Watkins plays. So really, you're only necessarily picking for two positions, aren't you? Yeah, and, and you know, straight into the, uh, the the game, and we're not going to dwell on uh, the, 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 the seventy the, minutes, which was shit. <laughs> 
But uh, the first thing noticeable, as you touched on, McGinn was playing uh, very much as a number 10 off the leash, as uh, Smith said, which is something that, uh, you know, any fan with one eye has been saying, uh, at least one eye has been saying that should have been done, you know, weeks ago. Yeah, and he was he was certainly far more involved in the game than he has been as well. I mean, yeah. further up the pitch, he was getting the ball, he was breaking things up high up the pitch, and he was driving at the full and defended a couple of early shots, but they were high and wide, unfortunately. Yeah, I think some of his shooting, it was almost like uh, he had it in his head, right, I'm going to be the driving force here. So some of the shots, they're almost like warning shots, if you know what I mean, because there were better options on. But uh, I think because he was kind of hyped up and uh, you know rightly so confident from uh, what happened uh, in the week before for Scotland. 45 minutes, again, no shot on target from Villa. And there's some. St- what's the stats around that? Wasn't it the fourth fourth game on the spin that Villa hadn't had at home that Villa hadn't had a shot on target in the first half yeah at Villa Park which uh, can you imagine being uh, supporters Easter Sunday sunny beautiful day it would be a great game to go and uh, imagine this is the fourth time you haven't seen a shot in the first half it's you, you start to get a bit frustrated and I'm sure there'd have been at least 5,000 or so who would have gone off on by 80 minutes before the fireworks kicked in yeah, yeah. <laughs> well first incident uh, and it's almost like when this happened you're kind of not fighting that much for it because you just think, well, you don't bloody deserve it anyway. Was uh, the penalty when uh, Watkins gets a touch to the ball, but the defender also touches the ball like in a, in a significant touch before uh, this contact made with Watkins. And when I saw it, I just thought, I don't think that's a penalty. But the ref gave a penalty and you're thinking, oh, that's you know, it's kind of what we need and uh, it's a bit of luck. And maybe we can get a shot on target through a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about scoring it. I was just thinking, oh, oh, we've got a chance to get a shot on target. Yeah, it's, it's another of those VAR ones. That's, I mean, is it a big enough mistake to go to VAR? I mean, it, it, it could have went either way. I mean, if the referee's in a position that he sees the... He thinks he sees the Fulham player getting the the more dominant touch. Then he, he doesn't give a penalty, but he didn't. He he thought he seen Watkins getting the ball first, and I've seen it a few times myself. Depending on which side you look at it, you can't tell. So it's one of those, uh, you can't tell why why go to VAR again. Yeah, but then again, I think if it's a penalty. Most of them go to VAR anyway, don't they? Yeah, they check them all, don't they, anyway? Yeah, and as I said, my first look was, yeah, I don't think he's given that because in terms of the context of football, you know, whether you, whoever's diving or what, take take all the diving and how people have fallen and all that out the equation. In the context of football, Watkins has touched the ball, but not do it really doing anything and the player's actually tackled him. If I was a defender, I'd... I'd, I'd I'm 100% saying, you know, I've got the ball there, 100%. And then what's after, it doesn't matter because the ball's... Watkins can't do anything with that ball because I've tackled him. So, uh, yeah, I have no no real qualms with that. But... No, I mean, I said at the time, you know, I think you, you earn your bit of lucky, lucky breaks, don't you, sometimes by performing well or, you know, you, you just deserve it. And Villa didn't deserve a lucky break and Fulham didn't deserve that decision to go against them. So it's kind of, you just treat it semi you know pragmatically but when and you know bud have you not noticed nobody lives in a world that where you get what you deserve (laughs) (laughs) this is a world of injustice i think you know what if the result hadn't gone our way i think the reaction would be very different the fact that we won in the end you kind of it's quite easy to just dust it off and go yeah well whatever yeah no i have no problems with that that decision to be honest to be honest we've had far worse decisions go against us Oh, yeah, no. I mean, we've had some crazy things happening. And uh, this one, you know, there wasn't that many people going crazy. Uh, I think you'd call it borderline. In terms of the, 
in terms of the players over, they weren't going ape shit over it. The thing about this game, there was some great assists, and uh, the, a great assist to kick it off was uh, Mings's assist for the Fulham goal. <laughs> great through ball, and it perfect, <laughs> absolute picture perfect. Yep. It's beautiful, beautiful. I mean, you know, Sanson uh, perhaps not the best weighted pass, but still. Mings, it was you know Mings's touch just you know was all over the place, wasn't it? And if in doubt, and you don't fancy the back pass, you can just put your your boot through it. And with Mings, you know it's going to go a long way. Yeah, you can literally do anything. <laughs> but we keep saying that, but but he never listens. <laughs> well, he was for a few weeks, wasn't he? He was at Leeds, yeah. and then Mitrovic is in form. You know, when he gets clean through, you think well, he's going to score. Yeah, yeah I mean, Mitro- Mitrovic is just thinking, fucking hell, happy Easter. Yeah, I haven't yeah. scored in twenty-one games, so here we go, play Villa, let's go. <laughs> Typical Villa, isn't it? Fill your boots. I mean, at the start of this game, I was thinking Fulham have certainly tightened up their defence. I mean, our defence has been good all season, but they've tightened up their defence. And you're just thinking, this is going to be, you know, turgid. Mitrovic hasn't scored for years. We're struggling to fashion shots on target. So when he scores, you're thinking, "Mm." because Fulham were still uh, on top after they went 1-0 up. And 75 minutes, you're just counting all these minutes until we've had an actual shot on goal. But the next key phase of the game, because not much else happened in that seventy-five minutes, was uh, the changes. And I think I said at half time we, we needed we can't you know it's not just just a like for like thing. We've got to bring two or three on in quick succession here and make he's got to make tactical switches here. Smith has to respond to what's going on because you can't have a team that's uh, having these long patches without even a shot on target. I mean that stops at the the management, the coaching team ultimately. Well, yeah, if it's not working, you've got to you've got to change it. And to be yeah. fair, you know, he did and it and it worked this time. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because there was an incident where Sanson picked up a knee knock and uh, Nakamba was warming up. This is in the first half. And you're thinking, actually, yeah, that's probably works because, you know, Sanson's been looking a bit lightweight, actually. Uh, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek just kind of... Uh, Swatted him off like a fly, mm-hmm. didn't he? Sanson likes playing with the ball, but he's not very, he's not a ball winner. Mm, French flea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, his nickname. <laughs> uh, so I was thought, oh, yeah, actually, uh, that enforced substitute. Uh, if Nakamba comes in, that that actually might work to our favour. But uh, the status quo kept. Uh, you know, Sanson uh, shook it off and on he on he carried on. But it was uh, only a matter of time until he did get hooked. 
But actually, it was uh, Al Ghazi, Trezeguet on for Al Ghazi, which was the first uh, substitution. Then five minutes later, Davis came on for, for Sanson, and that pretty much changed the game, didn't it? Yeah, they both came in and hit the ground running. It was great. You know, I mean, let's be, be fair to Trezeguet. You know, he has a knack of popping up and scoring important goals. Ramsey also came on uh, for Louise, who had been a bit of a passenger. But one thing you'll notice... Uh, Trezeguet, first of all, had to. Uh, well, he had a sim- simple header. I mean, had I a header re- at the back post. You'd, you'd, you'd kind of hope you'd hit the target. You don't necessarily yeah, expect him to yeah. score, but you want to try and work the keeper. Yeah, not the corner flag. <laughs> but I mean, as we know from Trezeguet, he needs to uh, harness the hatred on uh, social media to, <laughs> to to charge up his shooting boots. As as we found out last season, the more shit you give him, the more powerful and more accurate his shooting becomes. Because uh, within minutes later, Bing Bang Bosch were two one up. Yeah, all Villa three goals, all the assists were were. Uh, Showed the kind of uh, urgency and dynamicness that we'd been missing for weeks. Yeah, I mean the first one, obviously Mings finds himself in a rare position in the the left pack, you know, position a little bit of interchange with I think it was Matty Target making amends for his earlier mistake. Great ball in across, yeah, you know, sw- sw- sort of a quick ball across the face of the penalty area and kind of fired in. Yeah, it's hit, mm-hmm. it's hit at pace, and Trezeguet think you know maybe take a touch, but he's in space, hits it first time, and the keeper's completely wrong foot. It's a brilliant finish. Yeah, and then the second one is what you hope that Davis this could is do what on Davis, a regular basis. Absolutely, David. This is you know as you said if you want Davis to use his physicality, and then and we've seen it before when he gets his head down and actually drives. He's very hard to stop, isn't he? He's got yeah. speed as well, he's hasn't he? Quick. He's got some. He's yeah. got some pace. He's one of those guys who's not he's not nippy over five yards, but once he gets up to speed, he's very hard to stop, and he you know gets the ball on the halfway line, drives towards goal, puts a great ball into the back stick, and it's a, another great finish from Trezeguet. Two really well crafted goals. And You've, yeah. At that point, you've you know you've turned the game on your head, and you think, right, kill, get another one in, and you've killed the game. It's project restart all over again. It's like the swing in twenties or whatever. It's swing in sixties. Roaring twenties, roaring twenties, swing in sixties, and project restart all all roll into one. I mean, Trezeguet. I mean, he's missed some absolute howlers, but I mean, the mental character to still actually be a footballer after some of the ones he's missed. He just, <laughs> it's just unflappable. He just comes back and then. Final 10 games of the season, it's time for Trez to turn up, and that's what he did. Here's a great stat for you on him. You know, before the two goals you know, um, against Fulham, he'd had more shots than any player in the Premier League and not scored. He'd had 29 shots without a goal. Yeah, that's just the season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He had the most <laughs> in the league of any player who's had shots and not scored. Were eight of those in one game? Yeah, probably against Brighton, and then yeah. two and you know, scores inside a couple of minutes. And then, of course, you know, Traore with some great approach play. For the third, great ball to the back post and Watkins, you know, can't miss. Three really well-constructed goals, really well-finished. Job well done. Was it three goals in nine minutes, I think it was? It was good to see, uh, I mean, Troy getting 90 minutes. (laughs) That's kind of rarity. But also, if he's, you know, if he's still uh, in the game on 90 minutes, he has got the trickery that can uh, bedazzle tired legs. Well, he always has a moment in him, doesn't he, in most games? I mean, he normally has a, one of his howlers in terms of one of his ridiculous crossfield balls that he tends to always shank one of them, which he did again. But he always has a tendency to make something happen. I mean, and the fact, you know, the fact that we've turned a game on its head for the first time this year is a big, that's a big breakthrough moment. The, the players will take a lot of credit from that, especially when they were playing so shit for 70 minutes to turn the game on its head when, frankly, it didn't look like they were going to at all. 
And it wasn't like they'd been knocking on the door for a while and finally got their reward. You've got to give them credit for that. Well, it's only a few seasons ago in the championship. We were like the masters of uh, coming back from uh, losing yeah. positions. And uh, we've become a bit fluffy and lightweight uh, in terms of having any resolve or tenacity about us. Although at 3-1, when Joss Onomar came on, I thought, oh shit, it's going to be 4-3 to Fulham, isn't it? And then he had a great <laughs> chance, didn't he, and fluffed his lines. Yeah, the danger man, Josh Onomar. But uh, yeah, he was like the poor, was he, he's like a Primark Deli Alley, isn't he? Yeah, he'd pretty never, much. He never really uh, flourished. I suppose he was going on lane at Villa that pretty much finished off his career. Yeah. <laughs> Put him back 20 years. So, you know, Daniel Levy only thinks he's three million less than Jack Grealish's value, so. <laughs> also, it's the first time we've scored, correct me if I'm wrong, scored more than one goal in a game since the Burnley defeat. Yeah, and actually Trezeguet is only the third Villa substitute to score twice in a Premier League game. So, upshot, coming out of that game, bearing in mind it's against one of the bottom three, they've lost, what is it, three out of the last four games, even though they've uh, been on... They've had a good run. Better form, and uh, I think they're eight unbeaten away from home. They've kept four clean sheets in the last six games uh, away from home as well. So, uh, and as I've you know been saying, they'd have been focused for this game as a potent, you know, honing in on it as a potential three pointer, especially when they saw Grealish not there. How do you view this game in terms of how Villa are sitting? Because uh, I was looking at that performance until the, uh, the the triple goal bonanza, thinking this is this is lower mid table finish this season, and it still may well be because uh, it's not going to get any easier. Is the uh, nine minutes glossing over a concern? No, well, not for me anyway, because I think that's the mindset sort of we'll have to get out of. Because Man United have done that for years, played rubbish yep. for seventy minutes and then scored three. Yeah, you know, papering over the cracks is something that you know and enjoy a win like this i mean that's the first thing i saw people say oh papering over the cracks it was rubbish before that and I was, yeah so what it was but then we turned around papering over the cracks cracks might have been or papering the craps yeah papering over those might have been only snatching a draw or something we went and scored three and won the game so you know enjoy yeah. this this is move yeah, on to the next it's one pretty, do it it's again. pretty clinical as well because the, there has been if you look back at right at the start of the season there is this kind of uh clinical edge to Villa which uh, is in the tank but you know we lost the key to release it in pretty much uh, the last three months so is it if it's a mindset and, and that's triggered back and there's the belief uh, flows back through the veins then uh, it could be good things uh, well especially if you know Mr Grealish turns up again and coming back onto that I, I didn't like the sound of this oh he's off for a scan because if it's just a minor setback you're thinking well you know it looks like Liverpool then but this looks like the last season in the championship where he disappeared for three months when we thought he'd gone a couple of weeks well if it is the supposed shin splints that people have been talking about and you're having a scan that'll be to make sure it's not become a stress fracture yeah and also uh you know people are coming up with any excuse to batter southgate oh yeah he's not he's, he's not going to bring Grealish into the team oh yeah I, I, it's not uh southgate the situation is Grealish is fucking injured and uh as we've seen before this kind of mysterious shin injury lasts months rather than uh, a couple of weeks so the worst time you want to uh be dipping out of the england squad is their last you know their last games before the tournament i.e uh you know when they've just gone away uh last week so this one is uh this is about this injury if grealish wants to go to the euros it isn't about southgate he needs to be fit and he needs to be playing games for villa because uh he can't just turn up 
after not doing anything in the the last nine games for Villa, if he's not, you know, if he's not going to play most of them. No, unfortunately, he's not like you know back in the day with you know with David Beckham or Rooney had these really high yeah. profile metatarsal injuries. We like right as long as they're fit, even if they've had no preparation. <laughs> as long as play. he's got a pulse, as yeah, long they, as he's gonna, got a pulse, play. Yeah, we'll bring him for the knockout games. Huh. Yeah, he won't make that kind of call because also he's got plenty of talent to choose from. So it's not as if he's on his knees praying every night that Grealish is fit because he's got yeah. loads of people. So it's up to the it's on the fitness side of things, and when Smith said after the uh, the game, oh, he's you know he's going to have a scan and we're going to see where we're at. It's like, hang on a minute, you should know really already where he's at. I mean, he was training. I think there was a bit of pain there, but uh, I'm, I don't think he's going to be there for Liverpool. Put it that way. As soon as I heard the word scan, I thought, yeah, we know how they like to err on the uh, side of caution, as he keeps saying. Or like the team have been recently, but I, I, I just think if they don't need to risk him, they won't. In terms of just the, the my final point on the, the game. To, to win a game in that manner, as Phil said, you'll, you'll take a lot of momentum from that. It's like snatching a last-minute winner or a last-minute equaliser or something. It's one of those things that can actually give you a bit of momentum, which, frankly, we haven't had since right at the start of the you know, the calendar year. And hopefully, you know, winning in that manner will kind of give them a belief. That actually, do you know what? When we need to turn it on, we can turn it on and we can get the job done. Yeah, but look, at the, fix- look at the next fixtures. I, don't, I, don't, that's, uh, I think it hits a wall there. I always yeah. remember, I remember under Lambert, when we went to Anfield and we 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 just ripped them a, a new one. It's when Benteke scored via men. We were doing all those back healers and uh, played them off the park, and it was astonishing. And you think, here we go, finally. And the next game against Everton, it was atrocious. I think we got beat three nil. Probably sounds about right. And we were terrible. And it's like, how can you go from that to that? And Chelsea put eight, eight passes, wasn't in the same sort of fixture <laughs> yeah. on the same le- Yeah, it's like, how can you go? I don't know if that was in the same time. Uh, yeah, we got battered a couple of times by Chelsea, didn't we, into Lambert? <laughs> but you were thinking, you know, and we've been, we've had that moment many times, especially in that era when you win a game or you win two games and you think, right, this is the turning point. But there doesn't seem to be continuity, weirdly. But uh, in this one, I just think we've, if we had this turning point three or four games ago, because we've had a reasonably, you know, we've got the, we've had to play the likes of Newcastle and Sheffield United, then I think you can build on the turning point and turn it into a turning point and get momentum. But when you've got to go straight in against Liverpool, who uh, I don't think they'll be looking to lose seven league games on the Anfield uh, when we come to town after we've beaten them 7-2 earlier on in the season. I don't think they've forgotten about that. No, I'm I'm just hoping that the fact that they've got Real Madrid either side of the the Villa game may may or may not make a difference in terms of their focus and selection. But with the selection issues they've had in terms of injuries and stuff, I don't think they can be making wholesale changes even if they wanted to. But overall... We've got to be more decisive like we were in those nine minutes than that other 81 minutes. But in terms of the bigger picture, you want to be, you want to see them playing like that. You want to see Truray doing that. You want to see, uh, you know, the credit to Mings. He could have sunken in his shell and... Uh, but he never does. Started thinking about the shit he's going to get after the game on social media and all that kind of stuff. But like Stones did in midweek, you're looking for redemption. And it happens quite a lot, doesn't it? So mm-hmm. Like somebody scores an own goal. They normally go up the other end and score. Yeah, because there is that drive to, for redemption, and uh, it's good that Mings had it in his DNA. And it's good to see, good to see us, you know, even getting Watkins like what he'd class as like guilt edge chances in front of goal. Give him yeah. actual service, and he will score goals. We know this. Yeah, because you know there's a chance that he just bounced off his bloody shin or something. But he, you know, he'll be there 
if you get yeah. it to him. Yeah. And that's uh, that is the big difference. It's better to get it to Watkins when he's standing unmarked on the edge of the six yard box than to get it to Watkins when he's in the corner flag. Anyway, that's hopefully we uh, we we continue that. Uh, we're just having a bit more cutting edge urgency and uh, intent, really. Right. Before we head off into the sunset, uh, just want to say a big thank you to the My Own Man Said patrons as normal and all the patrons that tune in on Match Club. It never gets gloomy in Match Club because we've, we've witnessed some crazy things uh, and this turnaround against Fulham was the latest thing. Uh, but thank you very much to George Rose for signing up uh, the other day to become a patron. Also, if you want to sign up uh, for an annual uh, subscription you get uh, 15% off, which is two months free. Go to uh, myomansaid.com and uh, check out the uh, information via the patron link on the menu bar. And you become a patron, you get extra podcasts on the uh, My Old Man Said patron podcast channel and access to Match Club. And uh, there's another development in Match Club, which we will be bringing you soon. Right, uh, one final thing. Underrated and overrated, Mr. He smells so good, doesn't he? Zach Knight. <laughs> Zach Knight, entrepreneur, London fashion icon, as you'll find out. Uh, let's start from the top. Why did we sign Zach Knight? Well, Martin O'Neill had a, a punch on for tall centre-backs, didn't he? And he liked... Uh... Well, Gary Cahill was very tall, uh, Chris yep. Bud. What are you talking about? Well, he also had Larson and he went and got Curtis Davis at the same era. But why does he want to get another tall centre-back when he's got Gary Cahill? I think Gary he wanted Cahill? a bit of backup, didn't he? And when he's got Gary Cahill. Time, when he's Knight got Gary playing. Cahill. What's wrong with Gary Cahill, Bud? Can't we do a Gary Cahill podcast? No, what? what's wrong with Gary Cahill? Why did he get rid of Gary Cahill and bring in Zach Knight? Honestly, fuck knows. There you go. O'Neill's useless at de- developing players. Because <laughs> that's what I want to know. Yeah, why, still... why, why, why develop players when you can just spend money? Yeah. Zat Knight, on, on, played, Zat Knight was closer to being the finished article because he played a lot more games in the Premier League. No, but hang on a minute. Now, people berate Mings because they say, oh, he's got a mistake in him every game. Zach Knight had at least three mistakes in him every game. He was known for having a, a, a mistake. So this isn't it, a, a, such a question of why did we buy Zach Knight. This is why the fuck did we buy Zach Knight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Got you. Just, just, just putting that out there. Why the fuck did we buy Zach Knight? Honestly, David, God knows. <laughs> God knows. I just want to mention again, we had Gary Cahill. <laughs> so we got, we had Gary Cahill, yeah? We just said, uh, let's give him to Bolton for five million. Uh, we, need, we, need, we need mistake-prone centre-backs instead to cover. Sorry, Zach Knight, if you're listening to this, but don't worry, we, 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 we big you up later on. Kind of. But, uh, I mean, what was he known for before? He was Fulham's man, was he not? He was. He was indeed. You still haven't answered the question. <laughs> it sounds like it was a rhetorical one in the end. It'll go unanswered for the end of time. It will. Put that one out to the public. Why did we buy Zat Knight? If anyone could give us a positive answer, you will re- you will be on the receiving end of some Zat Knight scented candles. You'll get some candles <laughs> for your troubles. <laughs> we got him from Fulham. When you played Fulham, you didn't mind playing him because they had Zach Knight. I mean, he was six foot 11 or whatever it was. Yeah, six, yeah, six <laughs> foot five. When he never stood out, though. Sometimes he was a little uh, clumsy. Funny enough, 
one of the most defining moments when we played Chelsea that time that O'Neill finally decided, oh, let, I'll, I'll give Sean Maloney, uh, since I bought Sean Maloney, might as well give him a game. Him and Carew partnered. And that, and that I was like, fucking hell, finally he's trying that c- combination. Maloney scores two goals in the first half with 2-0 up, coming up to half time, And then uh, Shevchenko fucking dives. Zach Knight gets sent off unfairly. Now, if he got sent off because he'd fouled him, you'd think, oh, why did we buy Zach Knight? <laughs> but uh, he, he was innocent that time, and that's what turned that game into uh, that ridiculous four-all. That you know, it was he got bad, bad tempered in the end because people were getting sent off left, right, and center. But uh, just because of the injustice of uh, what Shevchenko did. But uh, we're digressing. Uh, it was an odd one. And it was typical of Martin O'Neill of just wanting to fill his team with uh, Premier League experienced English players because he thought they were the ones that had the heart for it. And, you know, it was that was how he saw it, going against the grain of uh, the evolution of, you know, more technical players. It was like building a squad overseas. of squad players. Yeah. No, and that's what he was, a squad player. Although he did score on his debut. Against who? Against Chelsea, Chelsea. in that famous one where uh, Ellis held his hand out to shake old Abramovich's hand when he walked out in disgust. <laughs> it was that game. The one that got Mourinho sacked. That was a good moment, that was. Ellis's best moment, probably. Yeah. yeah got got Mourinho uh, sacked the first time round. Yeah. Interestingly, when he actually signed for the Villa, it was probably more memorable than his actual Villa career. As on his, The day he was due to sign for Villa and obviously be announced to the press, etc. He was caught... It, this it was, was the good bit. He was caught up in a police raid and was basically held gunpoint in his mother's house. This was on the day he signed. Yeah, on the day of his signing. Because the police came to arrest his brother Carlos, who was later jailed for dealing heroin and crack cocaine and stuff. So in the end, he ended up sitting in, like it was Aston Police Station, just around the corner from the ground, ended up just probably walking down the road and signing his contract. Yeah, he said, my mum's house got raided by gun police and I had guns pointed to my head. Then, that same afternoon, I signed for Aston Villa. It must have been an omen. Not the first or last player to be signed under gunpoint, I would imagine. I think that's how Doug Ellis. Yeah. Doug Ellis used to sign his players, actually. If they'd asked for more, you'd open a little drawer in his desk and out a gun would come. Maybe that's why we didn't get Muzzy, is it, really? <laughs> well, he's bullet, bulletproof. Yeah, he's bulletproof and we didn't get Janinia. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, yeah, I remember that, thinking, oh, if we, got a, if we just signed a gangster... <laughs> Because it what was it like heroin, cocaine? Because his brother was, brother got done for it, didn't he? Yeah, we went down for six years. Yeah, and obviously, you know, it was that night. Then has to explain himself to the club, saying, you know, I can't pick or choose my family. I'm not my brother, but but Martin O'Neill still thought it was a good idea to get him in instead of Gary Cahill. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Zach Knight was trying everything he possibly could to prove this was not a good idea. <laughs> Potential felon. And then in the end, Zach Knight ended up at bloody Bolton anyway. Could have just cut out the middleman. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ridiculous. Uh, I mean, for me, Zach Knight, sorry, we're giving him a hard time here, but uh, probably best moments. I felt very sorry for him in that Chelsea game, which I just mentioned, yeah. where where he fell to a, a real con job by uh, Shevchenko. Uh, but his actual positive good moment was that equaliser against Arsenal when we started to think, oh, shit, we're slipping. Was it January, December? It was uh, Boxing Day. Yeah, Boxing Day, when we started to think, oh, fuck. He scored in front of the whole end. Arsenal are going to win this and then suddenly, you know, get back in uh, in the race for the top four. And that, but that goal was was kind of vital at the time for keeping us believing. And then we, ended we could up do it. it up anyway. Yeah, we ended up fucking it up anyway. But at least they didn't beat us <laughs> on that day. But it was a good good goal actually. It was it was great. But why why did we let Cahill go? 
<laughs> he he scored overhead bicycle kicks against the Blues. I mean, come on. <laughs> and went on to captain England and everything. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not joking here by saying this, but uh, I just remember when we played Manchester United in the FA Cup and we were we had, you know, Larson was, as per usual, injured. We had other injuries and we were basically playing Ridgewell and Cahill. And you were thinking, we're going to get absolutely mullered here. And those two, and they were both very young at the time. They were f- sensational. They were brilliant. And you're just thinking, fucking hell, hang on a minute. We've got two great centre-backs here. If we play our cards right and bring them through properly. And Cahill would have got games because, hey-ho, you know, we had Larson as uh, one of our first choice And uh, Melbourne was randomly playing right back at that point. Yeah. And uh, if it wasn't for Corelli fucking up, I think it was Solskjaer that slipped it through his pyjama oh, bottoms. God, yeah. Oh. And, and that was in the last minutes, and and I felt really, I felt really fucked off for basically Ridgewell and Cahill because they'd played their hearts out. Like I don't know how old they were, twenty twenty one. Immense performances as centre backs and undermined the last throw of the dice. And I was thinking, yeah, if that if Corelli hadn't fucked that one up, maybe Martin O'Neill might have had a bit more faith in those in in Cahill instead of getting rid of him. Thanks, Martin. I'll just mention it again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where is Zach Knight now? Oh yes. First of all, first of all, he he went off to Bolton. He only played forty games, league games for Villa. He he, he was kind of a filling, but I think he played probably more than uh, he expected. And then then had a good stint at Bolton, didn't he? To be fair, yeah. I think we, we what did we get around four million? Probably. I mean, it, it, same amount that we paid for him really in the ballpark. Anyway, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we made a little bit of money on him, so wasn't the worst piece of business. But yeah, Bolton was the the team he actually uh, played for the longest uh, in terms of, uh, mm-hmm. well, the most appearances. He was at Fulham longer, but uh, I think he had a good five years at Bolton. And they had a decent team in those days, didn't they? They did for a while, didn't they? And I think they were, would he have been part of the team that got relegated? I would imagine he was. Yeah, it wasn't that decent. <laughs> <laughs> they're decent by their standards but anyway who cares about his football career after uh, Aston Villa because this I mean, is what it's all about he, he went yep. he went to mm-hmm. the uh, MSL played for the Colorado Rapids uh, did he do a bit of coaching at the LA Galaxy yeah he got a, he got a chance to do a bit of coaching at the LA Galaxy but you're, you're burying the lead here this is what no, you're no, doing no no I'm, no I'm leading up to what happened because <laughs> hanging out in LA was the, was the key moment that he became one of the dynamic candle duos <laughs> Because uh, Zach Knight, he, what did he do? Buy shares or helped out somebody uh, he knew? Uh, I don't know how intimately. He basically bought into the business. He runs a fragrance company, uh, basically, which uh, the key products are scented candles. Yeah, well, all those years, tight man marking uh, sweaty centre forwards, he made Zach Knight know what smells good, and it certainly wasn't them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you look at the press release, and it's uh, the, the candles are called Cavaladon. Cavaladon, Cavaladon, is an uncompromised result of years dedicated to artistry of scent. Long-term friends Amanda Wallace, a LA native, and Zach Knight of London form a shared bond through the sophistication of fragrance design, fashion, and decor. Having crisscrossed the globe, uncovering exotic scents like Melberg's beard (laughs) and Larson's armpits and studying the world. And it goes on and they've played some, somebody on Fiverr, like five pounds to bang up their uh, press release. I still haven't spent the royalties from what they gave me. It was (laughs) (laughs) 
offering a truly transatlantic product, this fashionable duo. He wears suits now. They began collaborating in 2014, developing a line of luxury candles that blends their shared love of design, fragrance, and decor to gorgeous effect. It's it's beautiful. You can't you can't make this shit up. <laughs> I do like the photo though, with his rolled up sleeves on his uh, blazer. Oh, it's yeah. very Duran Duran, isn't it? Yeah, he's got like a yeah, rolled up sleeve silver jacket. Slightly metallic. He looks like he's about to break into a chorus of Rio. You know, it's a remake of Miami Vice. <laughs> Candle edition. <laughs> let, let, let me carry on. Let me carry on. Offering a truly sensual and sensuous candle experience, Calv Lallardon, or Nod Lavac, if you speak it backwards, uh, if you want to try to summon the devil, remains as, as stylish as its founders. He's stylish, that Zach Knight, with his metallic blazer. Each candle is handcrafted in Los Angeles, drawing upon the style inspirations of the Hollywood elite and Maybury fashion houses to ensure that every fragrance is fresh and international. Nothing smells more international than Zack Knight. Why did he get rid of Cahill and and and, br- and bring in and bring in this bloody fragrant candle maker? The whole decision just stank, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the irony. The the decision absolutely stank. Set Villa back years. Credit where it's due. I think it's a bit more legit than uh, Julian Lescott's Fashion Emporium or. Uh, Gabby Abonglahar's... Uh, Why can't they just go and open a pub like footballers exactly. used to? Why can't they be like, uh, is it Kevin Gage or... Kevin Gage, Phil, Phil yeah. King. Yeah, Phil King. You know, and, and, they, and these are uh, these are pub owners who've done it on the European stage, Zach. Sorry, Zach Knight, under-overrated. To be honest, I can't possibly cast judgment here because I haven't really smelt the candles yet. That could, <laughs> could be a game-changer. $35 a pop, though. They've got to smell pretty good. Hang on, I'll go underrated. I mean... It's not his fault, Martin O'Neill bought him. <laughs> well, whose fault is it? Well, it's not that. It's definitely not that nice fault. If you say, "Do you want to come and play for Villa?" Yeah, no problem. I mean, when he did play for Villa, he he had less mistakes in him than he did when he played for Fulham Norwich, and he did score a couple of memorable goals, which is more than some people do. I think uh, Zach Knight was uh, a little bit like David James when he came uh, to Villa. Like we knew he had a mistake in him because that was the legend, but he actually let's uh, played above par. I mean, David James played very well for Villa until the FA Cup final. And both had questionable dress sense. What are you, what are you saying, bud? I'll go the opposite to whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go under. Right, he's, he's overrated for me. Probably gotta right, s- to be honest. Got to stick to my I words. Mean, I mean, how many players have we had that haven't even been particularly good and we somehow managed to make an ounce of profit on him? Though, you know, these figures aren't exact. I, I think we didn't lose anything, Connor. And, if, and to be honest, if he's anything that. like everyone else who... Bloody O'Neill signed. He was probably on astronomical wages. Yeah, but he's having a good life. This is the thing. He it's, is. It's interesting. <laughs> From whether it's signing uh, for Villa and uh, having the excitement of the police pointing guns at you uh, before you sign, they were probably saying, "Don't do that." They were probably Villa fans. <laughs> also, uh, he's in good company, by the way. We're, you know, we're not actually mocking his uh, candle making because Anthony Hopkins, the actor, is also uh, got a line of scented candles going on, but he charges like a fucking hundred quid or so for a bloody candle but I, I still i'm still trying to work out why we got rid of gary Cahill. that's a podcast in itself david <laughs> yeah. no it's not because we've already done it <laughs> we just did it now <laughs> right until please do uh, follow on spotify apple all the apps that you uh, listen to 
the show on or get your podcasts on uh, please do also uh, join the mad few in the facebook group dedicated to the show you'll find the link to that in the show notes also uh, follow the twitter address at my man said which is uh, a different one to uh, the main my man said twitter address although it should be the main one but uh, it's a long story right any final words liverpool next three o'clock saturday afternoon what a novelty, mm. eh? How the mighty have fallen. Indeed. Phil can't wait. Can never wait the players, guys. If we win that, then uh, I think we can go to the beach then, I think. I think you you, were, you would have my pardon. You could go to the yeah. beach, double over Liverpool. Flip-flops and towel at the rally. No need for COVID uh, vaccinations, Boris, for these guys. These guys are granted a pardon. They can, they can go to whatever beach they want. They've just done the double over Liverpool. Thank you very much. Seasons are good in. Right, until the Liverpool double, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.